Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Punishment is only a deterrent if you allow it to be, I guess. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number two of the Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and on Twitter at Pete Callender. Um Last hour, we were talking about this uh, case of Monica Ussery. She is... Um, the woman uh, who was arrested at the reopened North Carolina protest three years ago for violating Governor Cooper's executive order to stay home. Body cam footage got released in violation, apparently, of a judge's gag order. But the, the footage was posted by uh, independent journalist Stephen Horn up at his uh, website called This Week in the Triangle. And... Um, it, the video shows the cops not wearing masks, not socially distancing, talking about how the protesters told the captain to pound sand when he told them to disperse and how the captain then was uh, instructing all of the officers, you know, to go and arrest all these people. So, uh, you know, we arrest the uh, couple of the agitators, then all the rest will disperse. They'll all just kind of go away because we can't we can't have these optics Next week and the week after, we can't let this continue. So we got to start arresting some people. And apparently, he said with with the DA, they were talking beforehand, said, don't go after kids. Don't go after people that have little kids. Bad messaging, bad optics, right? They're, they're, like, that's, that's the approach that Raleigh PD took. And apparently, State Capitol Police were involved in this as well. Th- this was their approach. The body cam footage was apparently withheld from... Monica Ussery's lawyer, so they were unable to use it in her defense. And now it's out. And as I understand it, there's a hunt on to find out who leaked it to the to the journalist. Let me get Kurt on the program here. Hello, Kurt. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Pete. Yeah, uh, real quick. I, I have a problem with this whole uh, executive order thing. Yeah. That you could be a red. I mean, is that not a uh, separation of powers argument? So the governor can make his own laws. Right. This well, when it comes to public health laws and emergencies, right? There, are, like even even libertarians like myself recognize there. There's me, this. Yeah. yeah. There is this. There's a difference, right? Like when you've got a communicable disease that's you know, like Ebola that's ripping through the city or something, then extraordinary measures might need to be taken that would violate people's civil rights in order to save like like thousands and thousands of lives. So there's always this sort of understanding that it's a gray area, right? Um, The problem was that the evidence didn't support the actions that were being taken, right? I think that's that's the challenge, is that even early on, we knew that it was not, uh, it was not as dangerous to be outside, right? And people, you know, there were, there was difference of opinion about the best way to mitigate uh, the respiratory viruses, contagiousness, and that sort of thing. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was already a difference of opinion there, so it didn't justify Cooper's 
order and um and yeah yeah it raises a question not about separation of power but it raises this question of an abuse of power that he went way beyond his authority I was just curious. That's really my question. Is there has anyone not made that argument? And also, I was wondering if they couldn't use the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, uh, equal equal uh, protection under the law. You know, the BLM did their thing, and yet, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm yeah. If any of these arguments were thought of? Yeah, Cooper went and marched with the BLM people, and he arrested the reopen NC people. So I mean, but has her lawyer not thought about arguing? Well, the, any of those uh, theories. Yeah, I don't know. I do know the um, uh, the name of her, like her give, send, go, is Fourteenth Amendment. So, I, and I don't know what okay, that yeah, what I that think, indicates. That, right? Yeah, I think that might have that uh, connection on that. Yeah. Right. So they may be thinking in those terms as well. Those were also the terms uh, that um, uh, lawsuits were filed against uh, Cooper over the executive order. But remember, like voters, we had a chance. To vote against Cooper and the executive order and the lockdowns and the mandates, and voters refused. Yeah, they, yeah, I guess, yeah, I can't argue with that. But uh, it, things like this infuriate me because well, I mean, I'm a truck driver now, but I used to teach civics actually in high school. Mm-hmm. But, oh, these things infuriate me. Yeah, well, yeah, this is the problem. It's like it, it, this is a fundamental issue. Uh, it, it speaks to the you know the core of the the governance structure that we have and how we uh, order our society and you know people don't care because the wrong person got arrested right that's that's the problem here is like they don't they don't want to be sympathetic to this woman because she was screaming about being reopened you know reopen the state up and they didn't like that position they wanted to be masked up and and told that they'll be fined by you know their their daddy protector governor and mm-hmm. um and they they don't want to admit that they were wrong about it. And even when presented with this kind of obvious double standard where, I mean, to me, that's the biggest issue is the cop. I mean, yes, the optics of it, but the cops standing around doing the very same thing that the people they're going to arrest are doing. Right. That to me, yeah. it, it like it smacks of the highest order of hypocrisy. So, Kurt, I appreciate the call, man. I, I just I don't know. I don't know. Like, I've seen any. I haven't seen any other coverage of this. Well, let's take a let's take a pop on over to WRAL, my favorite TV station in the world. Let's see here. Mm, no, no, crime, crime, no, bleeding, leading story. No, crime needs a delivery driver, tripping suspect, teen gets stuck in claw machine. Mm-hmm. No. No, apparently, I think we may have found the first body cam footage from a police officer that media doesn't want to see. This might be the first clip ever in in the history of North Carolina, maybe even America, where the media just does not have any interest in seeing the body cam footage here. I wonder why. It's so weird. Let's see, car shoppers... Woman hit boyfriend with bottle. Her son stabbed him in neck. Uh, yeah, so just the usual fare. Let's see, maybe, I mean, well, let's see, would it be over here at the, uh, with NC Capital? Hmm. Gosh, they make it so difficult to, uh, to find now. It's not podcasts. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, can't find it, which is weird. Because they're usually all about, oh, how about the Charlotte Observer? Charlotte Observer, they love them some body cam footage, don't they? 
charlotteobserver.com. Let's take a look. charlotteobserver.com. Mm, no. no. Who's this? Another, a new Charlotte mural project celebrates Latin American artists and community. CMS requires school's profit on student pictures. Mm, Bill seeks to curb risks in poultry farms. TikTok, police, lemurs, Democrats. Uh, no, no, it's so weird. That's weird, too. They just have no interest in the undercover video. The point is the punishment. And the point is to deter people from engaging in that kind of behavior. Right, that's the message. You make it so punitive that you just—they they do. The, the court will make it so punitive that you are just supposed to shut up. Don't think if this happens again, if the governor needs to do this again, you know we're going to make an example out of you. And if you fight it, it's going to be worse. Because think about what has now occurred. Right, you've got a lack of discovery that was given to her lawyer. That was given to her for to mount her defense. Like, that's a problem. Right? That's what Fox News is in trouble for doing up at uh, in the Dominion case, right? Weren't they attacking Fox News over the weekend because they didn't give everything over for discovery? Another example. Two teachers challenging the constitutionality of compelled anti-racism training have been ordered to pay nearly $313,000 in their Missouri school district's legal fees. This is under a ruling that their lawyers called overtly hostile and, quote, meant to scare off future lawsuits by parents and teachers. The Southeastern Legal Foundation is appealing this uh, summary judgment from U.S. District Judge Douglas Harpool that ruled in favor of the Springfield Public Schools and the six-figure award against their client, Brooke Henderson and Jennifer Lumley. This is out of the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The public interest litigation firm, uh, SLF, the uh, Southeastern Legal Foundation, quote, has never faced attorneys' fees sanctions for challenging unconstitutional government action at any level in 50 years. They've been doing this 50 years And they have never had attorney fee sanctions ever until now. Until now. They've been challenging under the section, um, so-called section 1983 civil rights lawsuits against public officials. SLF litigation director Braden Bauchek said in a press release. I'll give you more details on the story in a moment. I got to tell you, my favorite people on Twitter to argue with, besides the idiots, are the law school students. <laughs> They're so smart. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. So a couple of teachers. All right, so the story here, this is, by the way, justthenews.com, reporting on this story of Brooke Henderson and Jennifer Lumley, two teachers at a school in the Springfield Public School System. This is in Missouri. And they got representation by the Southeastern Legal Foundation. They've been doing these types of constitutional cases for 50 years. The general counsel for the Southeastern Legal Foundation, Kimberly Herman, 
called Harpool, the judge in this case, a longtime Democratic elected official in Missouri appointed to the bench by President Barack Obama, called Harpool a, quote, lone agenda-driven federal judge determined to deny concerned teachers and parents the right to seek redress in court. The two teachers filed a First Amendment lawsuit against compelled and chilled speech. They filed this suit against the school district in the summer of 2021, alleging that the equity training forces employees to discuss their place on an oppression matrix, which is impossible because we were assured that none of this is happening. Look, this CRT is just taught at like a college level law school. Come on. 2021, during the pandemic, they are forced to participate in this equity training, and they were told they had to advocate for changes in political, economic, and social life, and then disclose personal details that they wished to keep private. The judge's summary judgment in favor of the school district cited a, quote, total lack of injury on the part of the teachers. They were not injured, so they they couldn't sue. That may suggest a groundlessness that trivializes the important work of the federal judiciary. So, and this is like, this is uh, approaching, you know, frivolous lawsuit territory, where when you accuse, when a judge says that lawyers are filing frivolous claims, like that's, that's a, that's a very big deal. Foreshadowing the legal bludgeoning they would face on attorney's fees in the March 31st order that approved the full award. So the school district said they wanted all of their attorney's fees reimbursed by these two teachers who are subjected to this equity, racialized, oppression matrix training that the district forced them to attend. $313,000 worth of legal fees that the, uh, the district says it incurred in order to fight this lawsuit. The public schools say they did nothing more than require teachers to undergo a training with which they were free to disagree. Yeah, you can disagree, you racist oppressor. Go right ahead. It's totally fine. You could disagree to this expert we have hired that's leading this training exercise and saying that anybody who objects or opposes or disagrees, they are a bigot. They are part of systemic racism. And by the way, when the training is over and you have to go back and work with all of your colleagues and your bosses, they are now all under the impression that the expert tagged you as a racist, white supremacist oppressor. I'm sure there would be no injury whatsoever from such a moniker being attached to you. The teachers never faced any official discipline for speaking openly about their disagreement with some of the content of the training session. And the judge said that their exact claims about injury, in fact, remain somewhat unclear. They have not provided evidence that they were compelled to speak favorably about the district's message or to somehow affiliate or associate with that message. Now, this is interesting to me. So the judge is saying that the teachers were never compelled. Yet, when the famous ruling came down about students reciting the Pledge of Allegiance and they didn't have to do that, the linchpin of that uh, of that ruling was that school systems are, by their very nature and design, compelled. Everything about K-12 government-run schools is compulsion, right? From the, from the fact that you got to go, 
right, to the fact that they'll send truant officers to your house to find you if you're not attending, right? It's all compelled for the students. The, the whole model operates on that. And he says, oh, no, no, see, one of the teacher's allegations that her own coworkers berated her during the training for disagreeing is proof that she was allowed to disagree. Like this, like the district forcing this kind of, I, I, I've asked this before. Do we have any evidence that these things actually make people or institutions not racist anymore? Have we found out that they work? No, actually, Harvard has found the exact opposite <laughs> in their own research. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? The Southeastern Legal Foundation. Um, come, go, do, 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 do. Let me go back and get this woman's name. Uh, where did it go? It's not the. Uh, it's not the director. It's the general counsel, Kimberly Herman, I believe. Um, and the judge in this case uh, is Harpool. Okay, so what the judge says for the two teachers that sued over being forced to go through these critical race theory trainings where they were, you know, told to announce their privilege, share all of these details of their lives, basically, you know, uh, confront and own their white supremacy leanings and such, chart your your position on the oppression matrix. I'm sure they did a privilege walk of some kind. The judge says at most the training just encouraged the teachers to follow general principles of equity and anti-racism without incentive or disincentive to actually express a specific message. No, say that it was completely voluntary. There was no disincentive. There was no formal rules or anything no formal punishment against them their alleged self-censorship based on fear of being labeled white supremacists and losing professional development and pay has no basis in any policy the district implemented or contemplated i love how the judge just robs every single person in the k-12 government school system of their agency (laughs) right like none of the people that work with these two teachers, none of them would form their own opinions about anything, right? These programs do not work. In fact, they are, they do the opposite of work. They harm, they harm your workplace. They harm the development of personnel. They create distrust, mistrust among your employees. And then you create, uh, coworkers with chips on their shoulders looking for any excuse to be slighted, to feel aggrieved, right? People become grievance collectors. It's it's just terrible. And Harvard itself, right, where these stupid theories emerged from, Harvard itself did the analysis and ran the numbers on the stuff and find that workplaces are not actually served well by these programs, these trainings. And the judge just kind of just waves it away. 
just dismisses it all. Oh, yeah, their alleged self-censorship because they said they were afraid of being labeled white supremacists and then suffering professional repercussions for that. And said, well, you know, there wasn't anything written down about that, so of course that's just fantasy in their minds. Oh, because it's not part of any kind of formal action. This is the whole point of these programs, of these, quote, trainings. The SLF rebutted the judge's characterization of the training in its March 3 opposition to the district's motion for attorney's fees. Quote, at least four staff members alleged that they self-censored because speaking up would put a target on their back, resulting in a hostile work environment. And the chief equity and diversity officer explicitly said that staff must, quote, start the work of becoming anti-racist educators in order to support these students. This is fundamental to this entire philosophy of, quote, anti-racism, right? This is court. Ibram X. Kendi told the same thing to Charlotte Mecklenburg schools when they brought him in and paid him a whole bunch of money, like $20,000 to talk. It was like $1,000 a minute or something. They bring him in on the Zoom chat, and his whole thing is that if you are not explicitly, overtly anti-racist, then you are racist. Then you are then you are propping up and perpetuating. If you are not in every waking moment seeking to tear down the the white supremacy infrastructure at all times, seeking it out everywhere, if you're not actively quote anti-racist, then you are part of the white supremacy institutions. That's that's what they were told, obviously, in this training as well. Right? When you have the chief equity and diversity officer saying that. All teachers have to uh, become anti-racist educators. By the way, the same thing CMS was told, right? This is the same effort underway at Charlotte Mecklenburg schools that you got to be, you know, anti-racist because who would want? I mean, of course, it's like Antifa. Who, who, who would be against the anti-fascists? Right? Obviously, if you're against Antifa and anything that they do, then you must be pro-fascist. Like this is the absurd stupidity that passes for thinking. Higher level thought at that. <laughs> it's just remarkable. Um, Harpool's order said that the teacher's claims were frivolous. They showed no injury, no compelled speech, ample freedom to criticize the district's message, and more importantly, total lack of a factual basis for any sort of First Amendment claim. Yet they continued pursing, I guess pursuing, but he misspelled it. Pursuing their claims following extensive discovery. Letting them use the courts to litigate frivolous political disagreement would make the management of a large urban school district untenable. Well, a little too late for that, Judge. The district has spent significant time and tax dollars on defense that would have been better spent ensuring educational opportunities for the students. Yeah, I could think of a lot of other things that school districts spend money on that would be better used to you know, teach kids how to read. For example, the equity training. How about that? What did that cost? SLF's press release is packed with exhibits from the district training. The teachers were, quote, reminded that if they did not speak, they would be called upon. So that's compulsion, right? If you don't want to participate, you don't want to speak, you don't have the option. They're going to call on you. They're going to make you speak, right? And then when they did speak and express disagreement with the school district, with their employer, they were, quote, corrected. That then leads to self-censorship. So now they're not going to, to give you their true opinions about things. The judge punished them 
for stepping forward to file one of the country's first civil rights lawsuits against this kind of DEI anti-racism CRT training. Right? These types of things require teachers to pledge allegiance to radical unconstitutional views on race and politics, said the Southeastern Legal Foundation. Over at the Daily Haymaker, Brent Clifton talking about something called the Sand Hills Pride Organization, trying to whip up a frenzy of anger at the Moore County School Board's adoption of a parental bill of rights. Have to keep parents fully informed of what is being done to their kids while they are in the uh, care of the public school system each day. Sand Hills Pride is very angry about this. Okay. Jack, stay on the line. I'll get your call in a moment. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Alrighty, let me get to Jack. Welcome to the program. Jack, how are you? Hey, Pete, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Hey, just wanted to weigh in on, on your on the comments you were talking about CRT, and, and, and I just wanted to say something about racism, man. We're, we're, um, we've got to get over this obsession with race, man. It, it's, 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 it's taken us down and continues to keep, us, keep this country down, and we're not advancing like we should. And, you know, a lot of people are very fond of saying that uh, we don't live in a racist society anymore. But then we spend all this, I mean, well, they say the country's not racist, but then we spend all this time talking about racism. And I think we need to change the, the, the definition of racism. I think racism is just simply if, 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 if a person's race or ethnicity causes you to treat them in a different manner, whether that be a good manner or a bad manner, that's still racism. You know what I'm saying? That's and that's bigotry. We're, we're just that's bigotry or prejudice. So, like these words have different meanings, right? So, racism is the fun is the belief that one race is inherently genetically superior to another. That's racism, not, right? Not necessarily. Not sure necessarily. it is. Sure it is. No, not, not necessarily. I mean, not. I don't think the superior thing is 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 the word because you could that could mean you you believe the other race is inferior also correct but but it also means that you you feel that person's different because of his race his behavior yes they are less so that's not always the case no they are well i mean they are less so that's the point is that that's look i mean i didn't make up these definitions this isn't my conjuring up words to tell you what they what racism and the and bigotry and prejudice like prejudice is what you more like uh, more accurately described i think is prejudice where you're making assumptions about people based on a prejudgment which is solely based on the color of their skin people make all sorts of prejudicial uh decisions about others all the time right that's prejudice you prejudging them the uh, the bigotry is that you are unwilling to be moved by any new information so you are bigoted in the mm-hmm. prejudice or racism like you could be prejudiced against people based on information that maybe you personally experienced right or maybe you have read about or whatever so you prejudge everybody 
based on one characteristic. But if you are, and if you refuse to allow new information to come into your thinking, that makes you a bigot. But if that thinking is that there is a genetic superiority to somebody over another based only on the race, that's racism. That's when you are, that's just like sexism, right? When you are, you're, 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 you have a belief that one sex is better than another, is superior to another. So, so how do we how do we get through this, Pete? I mean, how do we get over this? I don't know if we ever do. I don't know if humans ever can. I mean, this is what Jesus came and talked to us about. <laughs> you know, uh, the same sort of ideas, like we're all brothers and sisters under God. And but 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 even but but even the image of Jesus is is racist. I mean, if you you you've seen all the pictures of Jesus, you know, as a white European. I mean, that's not how he looked. And uh, if if he had, if he had been depicted as a Palestinian Jew, uh, you know, yeah, nobody would be Christian. Probably, probably wouldn't have spread it spread through Western Europe like it did because they would have never accepted him. I think I just saw my brain, my eyes were rolling so hard on that one, Jack. Oh my goodness! Uh, you have been but, reading, but Jack. Jack, you you've been, you've true? been, you've been. No, I do not. Come on, come on, Pete. You know how so many? You, you know how many? So, no, so Jack. Why, no, Jack. So, I don't so have why, to. I don't have to agree with your uh, prejudice. Okay, but no, here's, here's my question. No, it's a question. I no, think, it's not so a question. You... No, hang on, Jack. Hang on. What makes you think that you know every image of Jesus I've seen? I don't, Pete. You, I don't. you said that, but that's what you said. You said they all look like white Europeans, and I can tell you my entire life, I've always seen Jesus depicted as a dark-skinned, dark-haired guy from movies— to, to to the drawings in our Bibles. Like, I always saw him as a dark-skinned guy because he came from the Middle East. I don't know. And he was Jewish. Like, that's, I don't know. That That's... That's always been my understanding. That, that's that's not the that's not the not, not the Roman Catholic uh, image of Jesus. What are you talking about? I grew up a Roman Catholic. I look at the pictures of Jesus in the. Roman I have Jack. I've just told you I have Jack. I just told you what my experience was growing up in the Roman Catholic Church. I just told you what it is, what it was for me. Now you could you can disagree that I saw those things. You cannot believe me, right? But you don't know that to be true. Are you Roman Catholic? I don't. I don't. Disagree. Are you a Roman Catholic? No, I am a. Uh, I'm a. I'm a. I would. I guess that you would call me a Southern Baptist. I wouldn't Baptist. call you. Any, I don't know what you are. I'm just asking, Jack. So I ask, are you Roman Catholic? So you don't know what the Roman Catholic Church actually does teach to their to their congregation. I'm assuming. I tell you what. I tell you what, Pete. I went into. And this is a true story. I'm not making this up. But I re- went into uh, a few years ago. I was traveling, and I went into a Roman Catholic. I, well, I'm not going to say Roman Catholic, but I went into a Catholic bookstore, right? And it was down in Florida. And I remember walking in, and they had all these figurines and everything. And I did not see one person of color or one image of color in that whole store. Well, so then I say you should make a uh, sweeping generalization about all Catholics everywhere throughout all of uh, human history as a perfect illustration of what prejudice is. Thank you, Jack. This is I think you've perfectly exhibited why it's so difficult to talk about these kinds of topics. Race, religion, you know? (laughs) 